What's going on, motivators? Dr. Drill with the Making Motivation Podcast. Oh my goodness, I feel like this is going to be a good one, but I would like to uh, eat dinner at some point today. I'm concerned that this, I've got a lot to say. Trying to abbreviate it if I can. So, I had some really good conversations today. You know, it's Thursday. As I said, it's the 13th of May, 2021. Beautiful day today. I didn't see a whole lot of it as I was heading off, headed off to the office, treating some patients this afternoon. Very busy day. Had the opportunity to have some great conversations, help some people. <clears throat> it was a good day. My wife and daughter are down in, <coughs> excuse me, Disney. Uh, cheer competition. My daughter is a participant, is a an athlete with the um, Urban Air. Urban Air. Fuck am I talking about? Airborne Elite. Airborne Elite Cheer Club. Right. Private club. She went as far as she could go in in uh, Pop Warner. She's a flyer. She's a motivator. She's pretty fierce. And they made it down to compete in Disney. So however many teams, I think there's 25 in her category. She just had her first competition at 7 o'clock this evening. After, I think, heading out to uh, Animal Kingdom this morning for a few hours. We've had a busy day good day, productive day, it looked like the weather was nice, and we're going to re- we're going to convene during some, uh, there's people out there doing a little dancing in the, in the, in the park on this beautiful evening, 66 degrees, White's Road Park, WRP, so, uh, so they're down there in Disney, so they competed, and my daughter looked wonderful, outstanding in her outfit. She's part of the Bomb Squad. That's her, her team's name, and she's a flyer. So they throw her up in the air. She does all kinds of crazy acrobatics. She's a valued member of the team. Big smile on her face. I'm very impressed. Uh, very happy that they, they worked so hard to get to this point. Uh, across the past several months, we uh, you know were very careful, like, all right, we got to be careful. We don't want to get COVID. You get COVID, then might not be able to make it down and compete. Levels had raised. Uh, uh, levels of infections have, have risen in our in our community, in our country, and they are still attacking the world, and this villain is still out there, and not only could it make us sick, but it could also, you know, sideline us for athletic participations, work, and you name it, you know, it's... Who the fuck knows? It's a very uncertain time, right? So we were, took great care to prevent um, the exposure, especially of, of my family, especially of the girls, as they came closer to this uh, their departure for this this competition. So there they are. They're down there in Disney. They're hitting the parks. They're hitting all their all their moves for the cheer squad. Having a great time. Smiles on their faces. I can't wait to talk to them. In about a half hour. Okay. <clears throat> Some of the conversations I had 
this evening and this afternoon are freaking unbelievable while helping people, talking about some of the current events, okay, um, such as the pandemic. Uh, today, there was a mask or a C- uh, uh, Center for Disease Control bulletin that was submitted. Uh, they spoke on the reality that if you are vaccinated, they did some research on it. They have three studies they're talking about. Um, one's from the USA, another's from uh, Israel, and another's from wherever. But these, these studies, they say, are strong, and they suggest that if you're vaccinated, if you've got the full complement, then you are protected, and therefore you don't need to wear a mask outdoors, and in many cases, indoors. However, you're still subject to local statutes and whatever's going on in your states and whatever businesses you or a place of work or whatever you know still have to adhere still got to be careful so now everybody's trying to figure out what should we do as a business owner as the operator of a healthcare establishment when the cdc says it's okay for you to be unmasking i feel like taking this fucking mask and throwing it out and put them all in a pile and burning them thankful for their protection that they provided, but it's like, you know, what am I doing? It almost feels in a way like, you know, somebody in the scientific community says, hey, don't worry about uh, getting STDs anymore. You don't need to wear a condom. I wouldn't take it that far, but it feels like a, like you're being unrestricted. Like we've, we've had these safety measures in place for a very long time. Um, We've been socially distant. We've been staying home from school and work in some cases. We've been, people have lost jobs. Um, just all the emotions that we've foregone uh, vacations and holidays with family and uh, in some cases, funerals. You can't have funerals and pay you know proper uh, face-to-face respect to the dead. Um, India's still getting clobbered by this fucking virus. They're funeral pyres in the parks and the street burning the, the dead so that it is not more pestilence as a result of all this. So they're getting overwhelmed over there and in Brazil and in other parts of the world and there's going to be more to come, I'm sure. And it's terrible that, you know, we, you know, I, I read a, an article the other day suggests that they revisited the, dat- revisited the data and the data suggests that it wasn't 500,000 plus uh, dead from COVID. It was more like a million. Okay, so underreporting and, and underestimation of the situation. So the impact of this. Now, some people still think this is a common cold or a flu or not a big deal. Uh, I might have mentioned the, the meme that had that I. That I, I made me think, made me ponder. The meme had an image of somebody standing there saying, yeah, I got COVID, lived through it, lived to tell about it. Therefore, the conclusion is COVID is not deadly, not dangerous. Uh, To the right, the next image is a picture of a veteran uh, with a full, you know, war kid. Went to war, didn't die. Therefore, war is not deadly or dangerous. You know, it's, I think it's it, it at least make you think. Um, I believe there's some people that just think that this is not a big deal and not to worry about it. 
and you know we've been duped by the government and this is overblown and it's caused all this hardship for nothing and you got to wear these stupid masks and nobody wants to wear them and you know I feel that way to a degree I feel that way that shit you know was all this necessary right there'll be people that will feel that way um maybe they didn't know anybody who died maybe they think that old people die and that sick people um you know, people with a bunch of conditions, if you're overweight, if you got diabetes, if you got, you know, some inflammatory condition, chronic disease, then, you know, you should have taken better care of yourself. There's people who, uh, it's not just your average citizen or your, you know, random citizen. This is people that, you know, have a mouthpiece, that have platforms, Joe Rogan's of the world, the, you know, uh, even some cases, scientific community, people saying things that are irresponsible. Elon Musk saying it's not a big deal. That it is a big deal. I mean, it's just, anyway, there's a lot of back and forth over this stuff. This, uh, something like this comes down, and it's very emotional. There's going to be, I'm concerned just philosophically with the reality that somebody is going to come in uh, maybe tomorrow and say, hey, you know, I don't need to wear a mask. I've been vaccinated. What should I tell them? Okay, you know, I have to have a decision. I have to make a decision. What's my policy for the office? For now, we're going to wear these masks. But if, you know, when we get word, when my, the Pennsylvania Chiropractic Association or the American Chiropractic Association or the whatever medical organization says, hey, you know, it's okay to do this in these circumstances then I'll follow those guidelines. But patients come in, they don't want to wear masks. I don't know if I'm going to be fighting over the shit with them. And the question I I really have is this. The data suggests 97, up to 97% protection. Means I'm unlikely to contract this critter and get sick enough that I can it can cause damage in my body, and I could pass it on to somebody else. I like those odds. I'm vaccinated. I'm happy to do it. There are some who are unvaccinated. They want to take the risk and not get it. What does that mean to me? You know, is that any of my business? Now, I say, you know, people do think about themselves a lot. You know, we always think about, we see the world, you know, not how it is, but how we are, right? So we feel like, you know, it's my responsibility. You know, I, you know my, my decision, not yours. Mind your own business. You know, I'm not going to be asking people for their vaccine cards, but somebody will. You know, if you want to travel or something like that, they're not going to be as lenient. You know, to what lengths are we to go to discriminate whether or not somebody is vaccinated and if they're allowed to you know, come to in your business or do whatever, and and to what extent is it reasonable? Because if there's no, if there's, if there's, um, if the risk is extremely low that I'm going to contract this having been vaccinated, can I take the mask off myself? At what point is it okay? Because I'd like to get to that. You know, I'm eager. We're all eager to get to that um, juncture. We're all eager to arrive at that point. Um, so that's on my mind. 
then another current event. There was a fuel, whatever, uh, blockchain, not blockchain, fucking ransomware attack on this um, pipeline that supplied the East Coast and led to fuel shortages, or at least the impression that there could be one, that people were hitting the, um, the gas pumps and filling up plastic bags and doing stupid shit like that. Um, maxing up, topping off their vehicles. I even did that myself. Had like a three quarters of a tank, but I topped it off anyway. You know, un- unsure as to whether or not there was the in- what the impact of this is going to be. That's the thing. Even if you think it's improbable, <coughs> there's so much uncertainty these days. Okay? So much uncertainty. You don't know what's going to happen. Honestly, this feels like a fiction more than nonfiction to me. Like, things are batshit crazy. Batshit crazy. So, you got fuel, potential fuel shortages, pipeline, ransomware, Israel and Palestine killing each other as usual, people weighing in on that. You got all kinds of crazy things happening in professional sports and uh, and Hollywood that you know drama and this is going on with that and Chauvin trial you know they're going to give them more uh, things that you don't necessarily care about you shouldn't you don't need to know about maybe it's it just stresses us out when we populate our mind with this stuff but it's very interesting nonetheless so you collect all these little ideas in your uh, process them with your computer processor and store them in your hard drive and find, try to find some way to offload them by Friday. By Friday, if the weather's good, everybody just forget about their woes and, and focus on nicer things like what kind of takeout we're going to get tonight. But the world is a very crazy fucking place, that's for sure. I don't know if you knew that sand, there was a shortage of sand. Talk about fuel shortage. There's a shortage of sand. Guy I talked to today said yes. You know, I said, what what percentage of the population would you estimate knows that there's a shortage of sand? He said, I'd say maybe 10% of the population. I'd say it's probably less. So the story goes, whether it's, you know, I'm going to look into this, but there's been so much construction, so much development in places like China that there are parts of the world that have to import sand, importing sand from certain places where the sand is more conducive to maybe concrete, you know, whatever, cinder blocks, bricks, whatever the sort of construction is being done, whatever the purpose is for this sand, there are certain types of, you know, there are quarries that are just sand and stone, sand and stone, like the Pine Barrens where I grew up. There is a relative sand shortage. Somewhere there's a barge full of sand, a giant cont- uh, ship cargo ship with its holds full of sand. (laughs) Is that fucking incredible? The Earth's crust is basically made of rock and sand. Right? How could it possibly be that there is a shortage of this stuff? That's fucking nuts, you know? So we start thinking about, you know, this podcast that I've been I watched uh, this vlog 
it's uh, Tom Bilyeu, and he's got, I forget the name of his podcast, but it's pretty good. He's got Jamie Wheel in there. He wrote a book called <clears throat> Reclaiming the Rapture. Uh, it defines a rapture as, um, you know, the end, basically. Uh, there are people that are convinced that whether it's a biblical um, prophecy that uh, the Lord's going to come back and there's going to be some conflict in the Middle East that's going to you know, start off some war and the good's going to be sorted out from the bad and the wheat from the shaft or whatever the fuck. Or it's going to be by man's doing, the doomsday clock tick, tick, ticking away. You know, the end result being that kill each other, you know, or something happens, you know, something cataclysmic, post-apocalyptic worlds, it's crazy, man, it's crazy right now, um, so we, we started using analogies and figuring this, this guy, Jamie Wheel, in the podcast, he's talking about, um, the reclaiming the rapture, he talks about the, you know, the reasonable person, we need not to be Luke Skywalker or, you know, nor Darth Vader. It doesn't have to be a binary good versus evil thing, all right? That's an oversimplistic construct that we always have have sought, have adopted when it comes to life. It's very simple. It's very sexy. You know, this is the way that we're going to conceptualize things. Between good and evil, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, there are some other characters. Imperfect characters, flawed characters, but they find their way and ultimately solve problems. Uh, take, for instance, you got light and dark, Luke and Darth. You got some other protagonists and antagonists in there got Han Solo. He's an outlaw, he friggin' trades shit, he's a pirate in some eyes and others, he's a saint. Um, is he a sinner? Is he a saint? Is he a lover? Is he a villain? Um, he sits there at the bar among aliens and does deals with them, embraces them, kills them, Chewbacca... And Hans and uh, Lando Calrissian are his diverse, uh, you know, he counts them among his friends. And so he's just a man of the people and with a lot of potential, with, you know, his, you know, strong, simple beliefs. And he takes action throughout the film to save the day. Uh, doesn't believe in the force, doesn't believe, you know, doesn't know. Um, how to solve these problems, wants to run away at times, feels like it's an exercise in futility. But in, you know, towards the end, at some point, he, and probably on several occasions, he maneuvers, he saves the day and maneuvers the um, Millennium Falcon through the maze that is the internal workings of the Death Star and shoots the fucking whatever, the inner sanctum, and blows the damn thing up. You know, gets the girl, beats the bad guys up, 
you know, the, the complex uh, schemes that both good, the characters of good and evil employ to, um, to win the day against the odds, against one another. Uh, Han, he's just Han. He's just, he just kind of out for himself and says, you know, we got to fuck him. You know, okay, I guess I could be convinced to help you on your mission. And I'm a worldly, reasonable, capable guy. And let's freaking do this. He's connected. He's got influence. People follow him. He's a leader. Maybe a reluctant hero that was once a villain. So we need more people, I think, like in the middle. Um, And this is Jamie Wheel's uh, contention. He's like, you know, you got... Um, you got all these people uh, on either side of an argument, whatever it is. Is it uh, COVID? Is it real? Is it going to kill us all? Is it the end of the world? Is it just a blip on the radar screen and we shouldn't be wearing masks and vaccines are a scam and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Is it, um, you know, Democrat or Republican? Do we have to storm the Capitol and and, uh, dethrone the current president because of some... um, rumor that there was election interference, or do we have to be on the other side who says that uh, there was zero election interference, and you're the bad guys, we're the good guys, you have no heart, you have no sense, so, you know, our way is the is the right way. Or can is there somewhere in the middle, is there room for middle ground, somebody who's reasonable, who's able to call it as it see it, as they see it, a Han Solo character... Uh, or a Princess Leia character who, despite she's despite being royalty, she's also sensible and tough and gritty and willing to, to act, you know. These characters drive such films and such stories that, uh, you know, that the hero's journey sort of stuff. The protagonist and the, and the overt antagonists, the hero and the villain... Sometimes they're too paralyzed by, you know, vilifying the other side to really get anything done. It's all these um, these accessory characters, these uh, accomplices that they use in order to um, really get things done. And, you know, I, may, I named some of them. But interesting to, to think about fiction in the, in the, because this, like I said, this kind of has become a fiction. So much stuff out there. You know, we talked about this with this guy today. I talked about um, he's a he's a real uh, IT guy, kind of a nerd, really smart though. Uh, we talked extensively about how possible it is for a hacker to do something, to take any action. He said that um, in his experience, I can't ver- verify this, but he said um, not his experience, but his knowledge. Uh, it's improbable for some genius sitting in front of a Xbox or on some gaming computer to be um, hacking into a government, you know, like something Matthew Broderick from War Games or whatever. You know, it just it's it requires a lot of resources. And he said, usually, you know, everybody thinks that you can just be hacked digitally or whatever. A lot of times, it could be there's got to be some some human intelligence, somebody, maybe he said, maybe you leave, um, a thumb drive around and somebody takes that thumb drive and, and 
tries to see what's on it. Or they they open it to try to see whose it is so they can give it back to them. Something like that. Where you you know, whatever organization is fooled into, you know, letting in some sort of electronic virus or whatever the fuck it is. So again, the theme of viruses um, uh, infiltrating and permeating and, and causing damage and um, disruption. So we talked about that. We talked about uh, uh, Bitcoin and how, you know, this, this we said, I said, well, it's really not very tangible. It's kind of arbitrary, right? They're, the value we assign to a digital currency. I don't know everything about it, but I know that it's kind of like when in mining Bitcoin, it requires a lot of energy because there's a lot of these um, processors and, and electronics components that have to run until they can find an ultra-secure um, code or cryptography. And when they stumble upon it, that is like they've identified a really stable, a really secure, whatever, coding system. It's my understanding of it. And then we, you, can, you can buy, you know, value, you can buy um, into that coding system and then it's got a value and it goes up based upon people's enthusiasm for it and belief in it. And so that's fictional. It, uh, that's what a lot of the experts are saying, that it's not, it's not of any tangible value. But this guy's argument was, well, how about money? How about currency itself? You know, the dollar, coins, gold. Where is the, is the tangible value of these things? Like, are resources, when they were closest to their origin, you know, gold? All right, well, we can take it. It's shiny. It looks pretty. We can mold it into a, a jewelry. We can make coins out of it. We can put gold fillings in our teeth. We can now we, we use it for some electronical com, electronic components. So what is the value of that that resource? Like a real natural resource, uh, timber, water, um, sand, stone, um, any commodity at its original form and their and their derivatives. Now we're making things, right? Be chemically. We're changing things. We can 3D print things. We can create uh, stuff. We don't have to. We're not just left to substances in their natural form, like wood. We can make a polywood. We can make wood out of plastic. Your deck is now made out of treks, right? So we can create these things and create value by tinkering with products and materials and stuff. Now you got Bitcoin, and it's just something in the internet, something in the um, in the cloud somewhere, a value that is these various names that are assigned to these um, you know, cryptocurrencies and, and, and how they work and why they're worth investing in or why you should always stay away from. It's certainly crazy that one man like an Elon Musk can say something on Saturday Night Live, a little quip, or say something, hey, we're not going to accept Bitcoin uh, for uh, as currency to buy a Tesla electric vehicles anymore because uh, it's damaging the environment. It plummets. Just one guy has that much control over over so much wealth. And talk about the uh, small percentage of the billionaires out there who have control and 
monetary and otherwise over, you know, this world. And you think about, you know, as part of this book, Reclaiming the Rapture, he talks about the doomsday clock, he talks about the, you know, geologic time, or how long has the earth been here, life on earth, you know, the earth is, you know, five, you know, 4.5 billion years old, so then human beings, we come into the picture, if it's a clock, we arose, you know, four seconds ago, and you know, the cave paintings on the inside of those caves and, you know, our, our ancestors made them by taking red ochre or some pigment, natural pigment, and going in a cave and spitting, spitting it around there, chewing it up and spitting it around their hand or, you know, making buffaloes and, and figures of hunters and gatherers and hieroglyphics and all that stuff. That happened a second ago, two seconds ago on the geologic time clock. And here we are, this tiny little piece of life on earth, human beings, who arose to power and dominance and had such an impact on this world. And look at us, how we we just can't see beyond that. We can't see beyond our circumstances and our current problems and our challenges and our, our the good and evil that we see in the world. We have this, we're creating this whole, we're creating the world in an arbitrary fashion, just like a cryptocurrency. It's like, you know, every day you wake up and there's something more fantastical occurring. (laughs) In closing and on that note, I found a, I don't know if I shared this already, but I found a, uh, what I believe is a meteor. All right. So I was talking to Angie at my front desk and I said, hey, she's like, oh, yeah, we went to a stone and crystal convention. It was like collectors and they had all these rocks and geodes and and uh, birthstones, amethyst and da, 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 opal. Da, da, da. Um, and then um, I said, oh, my God, I think I might have a rock here. I call it the Cerebe rock. What it is, it's a rock that looks like a brain. It's about the size of a small football got all these dimples in it, like it was, might have been erosion, you might find a rock or a boulder that's had like drip, 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 with a flow of a creek bed going over it, so it's got creases or holes in it or whatever, but this is all around it, it looks like you took a drill and just zip, 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 you know, and just drilled out or hit it with a, you know, a ball peen hammer, very hard around the entire outside. I would imagine it flying through the, uh, you know, breaking through our atmosphere and being broken up into finally, you know, maybe it's the size of a school bus and now it's a uh, this tiny little football thing. It's magnetic. It's friggin' dimpled. It's got little pieces of red flecks in there. Um, it looks like it could be a meteor. I found it on a creek walk three, four, or five years ago with my dogs. It was sitting on the edge of a creek. It looked beautiful. I picked it up. I'm like, this is fucking heavy, man. It seemed like it was substantive. It was strong. It was powerful. I'm like, man, I love this thing. So that's my story. That's this. It, it could be a meteor. It could be a fucking, just a rock. But I'm telling you, um, 
It can be whatever I want it to be. Maybe that's... I, I, I did a podcast weeks ago said the world according to me. Isn't that kind of what, you know, that's where we're at right now. We are in this fantastical world. And we can use our fictional tendencies or uh, likes or dislikes to create some kind of, it could be like our force, like Luke Skywalker had. And, you know, Han didn't believe in that. Others didn't believe in that because they couldn't do it. They couldn't mold their world. They couldn't. There was something there that we others couldn't see. Maybe there is a force. Maybe there's no fucking force. Somewhere there's got to be middle ground, though, my friend. So we got to start acting le- more like the Han Solos and the Princess Leias of the world and less like the fucking choir boys and the, the uh, serial killers. It's, there's a middle ground. We need to find... Um, our humanity. We need to to think outside the box, you know. In closing this uh, this book, reclaim the rapture. He's talking about how we're going to have to be bold. We're going to have to step out of this binary, um, you know, science and religion versus religion, um, good versus evil. We need to find a step out of that and really, really make some plays. Like if we are a professional athlete and everybody's good on the team and everybody's vying to win, we need to be the one that really makes the fucking play. Like just just says, you know what, I'm going to do it different. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to um, I'm gonna do something that nobody expects. I'm going to um, refuse to join a particular side and ascribe to very strong views I'm going to look a little bit deeper and peel back the layers of the onion and find some some wisdom really draw some conclusions that are measured and balanced and reasonable I think that uh, you know a little bit a little bit rushed fuck off That's an interesting thing to close on. So uh, that was my front parking alarms. Whenever I get close to something, like the front of my garage here, I park in the garage since my wife's away. As I get closer, it beeps like that. And so, um, hey, bro, turn on the um, turn on the skillet. I'll be right in. So, um, those front parking alarms go off. We talk about our ability to improve the world. As we were discussing, I was discussing that um, pipeline ransomware attack and fuel and all that stuff and all these, how we have the, all these analog things. We have all these um, man, like a, you got a pipeline. Well, obviously it's got fuel in it. It flows in the pipeline probably got pumps and all this valves and all that shit and now they're all comp- all computerized whereas once upon a time they were uh, controlled by many more workers and many more processes and room for error etc etc I'm sure or maybe they were as a simple device I don't know but I'm sure it's a lot more complex than just fuel in a pipe well 
now they computerize it and they get hacked and it shuts down their entire operations and then people get worried and people go to the gas station and shit their pants and fill up plastic bags with uh, fuel. Wonder if we're making the world a better place or if it back to our, you know, fundamentals, back to your roots, hunter and gatherer lifestyles were, are more reasonable to adopt. Here's another example. Uh, for, I asked somebody, is this really, you know, real? Do you notice any problems with the gas tank, gas pump? And he goes, oh, I haven't had any around here, but uh, my buddy's down in North Carolina on vacation and he can't get home. You can't get gas, nor can you get gas tanks like um, containers, the red gas cans, can't find them anywhere. So he had to buy these, um, things for changing your oil where the black things you put under your car, let the oil spill into it. He had to fill those up so he could fill his car. All right. This guy down in North Carolina on vacation. And he said he was going to siphon the gas out of his, his rental car's tank. But he said that there, all the gas tanks are now anti-funnel, anti-siphon, because, you know, back in the day, people would steal gas. I don't know how often, but it occurred, right? So now you can't even siphon fucking gas out of a tank. Jesus Christ, what the hell you got to do? Anyway. What's up? What's the skillet? The skillet is on the stove. The stove? Yeah. Put it on low, bro. I'll be right there. So you're picking up what I'm putting down, I guess, right? All this technology is pretty cool, but it does get us in trouble sometimes, does it not? Can't even siphon gas out of a fucking tank anymore. Just some things to consider. I will continue this podcast tomorrow. Probably have some more um, wisdom to divulge. <laughs>